I start to pray and all of a sudden it's like man I wonder who got traded in NFL free agency and and man I really wish I had more coffee right now and man I shouldn't have worked out this morning or I should have worked out this morning or the cell phone is so attractive it's buzzing and it's buzzing I'm like I wonder who posted a picture of their dessert on Facebook you know and and like you're trying to talk to the Lord and all these things are pulling at your brain Distractions are everywhere. It seems that this is especially true when you're trying to pray or spend time reading the Bible. Then it seems like they're working double time to take over your attention. Today, Pastor Daniel shares that everyone has to wade through distracting thoughts sometimes. But it's worth the work to develop holy habits. You'll see that these habits kept the prophet Daniel grounded and focused when he faced opposition. Now here's Pastor Daniel in Daniel chapter 6 as he continues his message, Holy Habits. be the bearer of the bad news. And I would love to say, listen, if you follow hard after Jesus and if you are faithful and if God's spirit dwells in you and you prosper and you're a godly person, everything's going to be smooth sailing. It's just not true. In Jesus, you have peace, but in the world, you're going to have tribulation. And I love the radical realism of the Bible. When people say, oh, I can't believe in the Bible. It's all fairy tale. They say, no, no, it's real. This is radical realism here. That you can love the Lord and be rock solid, and you have all these people conspiring against you. Just like Daniel. So my friends, we should expect opposition. Don't be surprised when it comes. Because we know that the opposition is just the beginning of the story and in, in what God's doing. The opposition is not the end of the story. It's the beginning of the story. Because look at what goes on from here. Picking up in verse 10 of Daniel chapter 6. It says, now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home and in his upper room with his windows open towards Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as was his custom since early days. Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. And they went before the king and spoke concerning the king's decree. Have you not signed a decree that every man who petitions any god or man within 30 days, except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king answered and said, The thing is true according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which does not alter... So they answered, verse 13, and they said before the king, that Daniel, who is one of the captives from Judah, does not show due regard for you, O king, or for the decree that you have signed, but makes his petition three times a day. And the king, when he heard these words, was greatly displeased with himself and set his heart on Daniel to deliver him, and he labored till the going down of the sun to deliver him. Then these men approached the king and said to the king, Know, O king, that it is the law of the Medes and Persians that no decree or statute which the king establishes may be changed. So the king gave the command, and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. But the king spoke, saying to Daniel, Your God, whom you serve, 
continually he will deliver you. Then a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the signets of his lords that the purpose concerning Daniel might not be changed. My friends, if we expect opposition, then like the prophet Daniel, we need to make holy habits. See, Daniel, long before this decree was signed, had a holy habit of praying three times a day with his windows open towards Jerusalem where the temple once stood. He got on his knees and prayed. This was not something that was new for him. This was the way his life worked. See, what Daniel had is something that I believe that we want. Remember, we've been talking about this, that we should not live emotionally, given to the the whims of the moment, the fears and the emotions of the moment, but we should live structurally. See, Daniel's cue was every day was a day for me to walk with God. So his response was, I am going to pray three times a day. And his reward was a relationship with God. And he knew, as it says in the Psalms, that God's loving kindness is even better than life. So when this decree comes down, Daniel isn't going to change a thing about his life, even though his life's on the line. Daniel just did what he always did. Why? Because even more than being alive was having a relationship with God. You know, everybody says, you know, you hear these stories of martyrdom. And, you know, I pray that none of us ever have to be in that situation where your faith could cost you your life. And we read these stories and they're heroic, but you try and empathetically put yourself in the situation and like, the decisions that get made. And if you read the books and the stories of Christian martyrs throughout the centuries, I mean, it's horrible things that people do to people. And we all like to say, listen, yeah, in that moment, I know what decision I'll make, but you got to ask yourself, if you're not praying, if your life isn't on the line, why would you pray with your life on the line? Let's be real about all this stuff. What's your prayer life look like? And it's not a judgment. It's like, we're just real about this here. See, prayer is the one conversation that all hell breaks loose to stop. Why? Because when you get into the presence of the holy God and you have a dialogue with God, you ask God to help you and you say, God, what am I missing? And God says, this is what you're missing here and this is what you need to work on here. And hey, listen, that situation you got, it's really not their fault. It's your fault because this is what you're doing and you're not responsible for them. You're responsible for you. And hey, don't forget, I love you so much that I died for you. And if I was gracious to you when you were a rebel, then why aren't you being gracious to them? Because they're being a rebel. What's the difference? You pass my grace. All these things go on in prayer. But you know what happens? Satan knows that if you get into the presence of God, then you are going to change. And the last thing he wants is for you to change. He likes you just the way you are. All inward focused, self-centered, messed up, jacked up. Dude, I see this all the time. I love the Lord. It's hard to maintain a holy habit in prayer. Because sure enough, I start to pray and all of a sudden it's like, man, I wonder who got traded in NFL free agency. And, and man, I really wish I had more coffee right now. And man, I shouldn't have worked out this morning or I should have worked out this morning. Or the cell phone is so attractive. It's buzzing and it's buzzing. I'm like, I wonder who posted a picture of their dessert on Facebook, you know? And, and like you're trying to talk to the Lord and all these things are pulling at your brain. And then of course, those of you who have kids or dogs, 
right? It's like you go to pray and all of a sudden the dog starts barking, the kids start yelling, and then finally go, forget it, you know? Am I the only one who has that experience? No, okay, so we're all in this together, right? And is there anything that seems sometimes more pointless than talking to God? Anybody ever pray and feel like your prayer just hit the ceiling? Yeah, I feel like that a lot. Where I'm like, Lord, I know you're here, but it really just feels like it just hits the ceiling, can't get through. You know why? Because a good relationship is in all highs. A good relationship is communication over time. Like anyone who's been married, you know what the problem with marriage is? Is that it's all not the honeymoon. Right? Unless you had a horrible honeymoon. And then, of course, you're happy. But you know what I mean? It's like you fall in love and it's this big thing. And then after you've been married, you got through the honeymoon and now you have money problems and you have health problems and you realize that you both are a little bit messed up and all this stuff. And you're like, man, this is kind of lame. I want want the excitement. And so what a lot of people do in that moment, they just go look for the excitement. But the problem is, is that real intimacy grows over time. It actually goes through all of those things. And sometimes when you pray, God speaks to you in the most powerful ways. And other times you feel like your prayers hit the ceiling. But God uses all of it to grow us up. And the key is to keep showing up, just like Daniel. Do you have a prayer habit? Three days, as was his custom since the early days. This guy is now in his 80s, and since his young man days, he's been doing this, and so you don't think anything else about it. You just go do it. My friends, I want you to write down. I want you to write down two or three holy habits you want to start right today. Because I know what happened. Like, yeah, we got to make holy habits, but if you don't decide this is the habits that I'm going to start today, you know what happens. You're going to get a million other pieces of information by the time the day is over, and you're not going to have touched this thing. You want a holy habit? Go from being someone who receives to someone who gives. Go from being somebody who attends Crossroads to being a fully engaged family. Because you know what I'll tell you? And I've learned this myself. As I came to know Jesus and I was feasting on the word, at some point, you need to start giving out. And when you begin to serve other people, all of a sudden, you begin to grow in very unique ways. Like, one of the ways you grow is when someone's depending on you, you learn how to show up when you don't feel like it. That's called perseverance. Jesus did that. Remember in the garden of Gethsemane, he's like, Lord, if there's any other way, can we let this cup pass, please? But not my will, yours be done. And he showed up. I just had this example in my own life just this week. I've been traveling a lot this week. I was in Arizona from Monday to Thursday. I taught a number of times, did tons of ministry. Then came, we had an event about the TV ministry on Friday. And then yesterday, there was a 600-man men's conference in Corvallis, Oregon. Now, I'm here to tell you, when I woke up on Saturday morning, actually, when I woke up on Wednesday morning, I was exhausted, you know? And so it's like, and you're just like, okay, well, you know, they're depending on you. You got to show up. And when I woke up literally on Saturday morning at four in the morning, you know, I was just shot out. Like, I'm just like, man, I do not have anything to give. When is it going to happen? And a whole car full of guys showed up and we went down there together. And we were all kind of tired. I mean, most of us had been there on the Friday night event, you know, and so we're having like that, we're tired. We've been drinking a lot of coffee. And one guy drank six shots, so he was chatty. Everyone else was quiet. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but it was like, you know, we just like working through all this thing. And literally, like, I get to close this gathering out and I'm totally toasted. Like, I'm done. Like, I have nothing. And so you go up there and you preach, and I know that I'm going to, I have to give the response. 
And what was powerful is that when I gave this response, not really feeling like I had anything to give, what I learned again is that God doesn't need me to have anything to give because he wants to work through a willing vessel. I learned it again for the thousandth time in my life that God doesn't need me to have anything to give because he gave everything. But you know how you learn that? Through service. When you make a commitment and you allow people to depend on you, you know, listen, I know we live in a commitment-phobic culture and we live in the Pacific Northwest, which we have commitment-phobic culture and we don't want to get on the hook for anything because it might be sunny out. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like, I would love to go, but it might be sunny. And if it's sunny, I'm not going anywhere because I'm going to be outside. So you put those things together and none of us step in to serve. But listen, if you make the holy habit of self-sacrificial service, you're stepping into what it means to be a follower of Jesus because before the communion table, Jesus washed his disciples' feet and said, hey, go do likewise. Make holy habits. This reminds me, of course, of Proverbs chapter 4, verses 20 to 27, where it says, my son, give attention to my words, incline your ears to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it springs the issues of life. Put away from you a deceitful mouth and put perverse lips far from you. Let your eyes look straight ahead and your eyelids look right before you. Ponder the path of your feet And let all your ways be established. Do not turn to the right or to the left. Remove your foot from evil. So if you needed a place to start on holy habits, Proverbs 4, verses 20 to 27, give you a whole list of holy habits. How we speak, giving attention to our words, inclining our ears to God's sayings, keeping them before our eyes, keep them in our hearts, keeping our hearts with all diligence, what we look at, the way we speak, All these things are amazing holy habits. So you know what goes on. So Daniel, as his holy habit was, he goes and prays, and all these guys are waiting. Why? Because they all knew Daniel prayed three times a day because they've been watching his life. He goes to pray. They're there waiting. Like, I guarantee he's going to pray. No, you think he's going to pray? No, he's going to get killed. No, no, he's going to pray. He always prays. Sure enough, Daniel opens the window and starts praying. Those guys bust in. Like, boom, got him. Busted. What you going to do when they come for you? (laughs) So Daniel ends up before King Darius. And when they bring the, oh, king, look, you know, this Daniel, this Judean refugee here. He doesn't honor you. And then notice King Darius, what did it say? He was just mad at himself. He realized. He's like, man, they don't like Daniel. He got up. He didn't get mad at Daniel. He realized he's been had. And remember, the Babylonian Empire, Nebuchadnezzar could do whatever he wanted, but the Medo-Persian Empire, that king had less authority. So once a law was made, you couldn't go against it. And Darius is like, oh no. So what does he do? He tries to figure out, how do I get Daniel out of this? I like that guy. That guy's my stud. That guy's my man. I like that guy. He's solid. He's faithful. He's got an excellent spirit. He doesn't do anything wrong. All these other guys are scoundrels, but I got Daniel. But he can't figure it out. And then those guys come again. They're like, man, they're saying, listen. You're tied by your own law. And so sure enough, Daniel ends up in the lion's den. But notice what King Darius says to him. He says in verse 16, your God whom you serve continually, he will deliver you. And then he shuts, puts the rock over top. He seals it, which means this is the king's thing. Don't mess with it. 
Look at what happens, verse 18. Now the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting, and no musicians were brought before him. Also his sleep went from him, verse 19. Then the king arose very early in the morning and went in haste to the den of lions. And when he came to the den, he cried out with a lamenting voice to Daniel. The king spoke, saying to Daniel, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions. And then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouth so that they have not hurt me because I was found innocent before him. And also, king, I have done no wrong before you. Verse 23, now the king was exceedingly glad for him and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den so that Daniel was taken up out of the den and no injury Whatever was found on him because he believed in his God. My friends, in a world where we should expect opposition and we make holy habits, you and I need to learn how to trust for deliverance. You need to learn how to trust for God's deliverance. See, Daniel, just like his friends Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego with the fiery furnace, they said, we believe in the Lord. And even if God doesn't deliver us, we are not going to violate our conscience or violate God's plans. And so we trust him for deliverance, even if he chooses not to. And my friends, you and I need to learn in a culture that is hostile to the message and the person of Jesus who don't value holy habits, even though it is God's way of blessing in this world, we should trust that God will deliver us if we're put in a situation because of our faith in him. Do you trust in God's deliverance? See, a lot of us, the reason we compromise in the midst of opposition is because we do not trust in God's deliverance. We think that in that moment, God's going to leave us hanging. But we have all these examples from the scriptures when God does not. Listen to Psalm chapter 107, verse 6. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them out of their distresses. My friends, every single day, in every single situation, we find ourselves in a question of who we will trust. That's what I've learned in my life, that every day, am I going to trust my own ways or God's way? Am I going to trust my own opinions or the opinions of my culture or the opinions of my friends and peers? Or am I going to trust the word of God? Our Bible says we should expect opposition. We should make holy habits. And through our fellowship with God that was blood-bought by Jesus... We should trust him for deliverance. And listen, Daniel ended up in that great hall of faith in Hebrews chapter 11, 11.33. It says this, who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, who stopped the mouths of lions. See, the king was so upset that Daniel was in there. He couldn't sleep. He didn't eat. To me, when I read that verse, I'm like, the guy didn't eat and he didn't listen to any music. I don't know how you can live like that. That's like me and my sweet spot. Food and music. But he was so distraught. And literally, he didn't eat all night. He wakes up right as the sun comes up. He rushes down there. And it's amazing because this king, who doesn't know the Lord, is really hoping that the living God saved Daniel. Oh, Daniel, did your God deliver you? Oh, yes, he did. I mean... We're so used to hearing this that we almost forget how powerful this is. I mean, this pagan king is hoping that there is a God who will deliver this great man. And here's what I want to tell you. If you have 
a holy testimony amongst people, what you'll find is that when their life goes bad, they're going to come asking you for prayer. I don't know about the whole prayer thing, and I really think it's weird that you go to church, but will you pray for me? And I'm always wondering, like, well, I thought you don't believe in God. They're like, well, I don't, but I think God listens to you. <laughs> you want that to be your, because t- they know that there's just something about you, right? There's something different about you. So when your unsaved friends ask you for prayer, that's you're like, check, okay, good. I'm doing good this week. And I love this. In verse 23, look at verse 22. First Daniel says in verse 21, O king, live forever. I love that. Even though God delivered me, I wasn't like, you ain't my king. Right? Like, I got a better king. My king stopped the mouth of the lion. He gave him the respect and the custom that was due the king. Oh, king, live forever. And then he says to him, he says, my God said his angel. He shut the lion's mouths. And they have not hurt me. Why? Because I was found innocent before him. I didn't do anything wrong. I didn't deserve this judgment. I honored him. And also, king, I haven't done wrong by you either. Wow. He's saying, king, you know you're not supposed to get prayed to. That's silly. I honor you best by honoring the Lord and you getting the benefit of my honoring the Lord. And it says, the king was exceedingly glad for him. And they commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den and Daniel was taken up out of the den and no injury whatever was found on him because he believed in his God. It says, and the king gave the command and they brought those men, verse 24, who accused Daniel and they cast them into the den of lions, them, their children and their wives, And the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones in pieces before they ever came to the bottom of the den. Verse 25, then King Darius wrote to all the peoples, nations, languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom, men must tremble and fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God. And steadfast forever. His kingdom is one which shall not be destroyed. And his dominion shall endure to the end. He delivers and rescues. And he works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. Who has delivered Daniel from the power of the lions? So this Daniel prospered in the reign of Darius. And in the reign of Cyrus the Persian. My friends, you see what goes on here? The first thing the king does is he brings the measured judgment that they wanted on Daniel onto the people who perpetrated the crime. Don't miss that. Jesus said, whatever, judge not lest you be judged. Whatever measure you use will be measured back to you. Just like Haman, when he was trying to destroy the Jewish people, he set up gallows for Mordecai. He ended up dying on those gallows, right? Here we have, these guys want Daniel dead by, death by lions, and they got it too. Just like Jesus told Peter, if you live by the sword, what's gonna happen? You're gonna die by the sword. Whatever measure you use, get measured back to you. These guys all die. But then once again, as we've been seeing all through the book of Daniel, you have a pagan king writing a letter to his entire kingdom, praising God. My friends, what does this teach us? That transformed people transform people. Jesus is real. Transformed people transform people. Pastor Daniel's closing words offer great hope and vision for you today. When you know that opposition comes and you develop holy habits, trusting in God's deliverance and care, others will notice. They'll see how you walk through hard times, and they'll know there's something different about you. They'll see God in your story. 
Because you invite God to change you, He can use you to welcome others into a transformed life too. Hey everyone, there's a lot happening in the world and it can keep you pretty busy. But I want to encourage you to take some time and devote it to your spiritual growth. I know God wants to do something in your life and I'm excited for you to discover exactly what that is. Come join me for a worship service at Crossroads Community Church Online so I can share the Bible with you. Join me online at crossroadschurch.net or find me on Facebook Live. We're so glad we can be a part of your life through the ministry of Jesus is Real Radio. Would you like to be a part of what we're doing? We would like to ask that you prayerfully consider becoming a financial partner of this program. Your contribution, no matter the size, will be used to reach people with the gospel message. Find out more at JesusIsRealRadio.com. Thank you for partnering with us. Don't you hate it when the show you watch ends the season with a cliffhanger? You have to wait so long to know what happens next. You see, it's human nature to want to know what's coming. We're always trying to predict what the future will hold. Well, next time, we'll look at what the book of Daniel has to say about the future and explain how knowing it should change the way you live now. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. On behalf of Pastor Daniel and the entire production team, we invite you to join us again for the next edition of Jesus is Real Radio.